Doug Ujimbo Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Uh, word to the wise, this is a spoiler podcast, so bear that in mind. going to be talking about the Dragon Bellow Conspiracy Part 2. Uh, this particular installment is entitled The Wind Howls, and it is from Usagi Ojimbo, issue number 14, as published by Fantagraphics in January 1989. Now, quick uh, dramatic cast list here. We have Tomoe Ame, uh, Mayamoto Usagi, who is our protagonist. Genosuke, or Genusuke, excuse me. Uh, Zatuinu, Spot, Lord Tamakuro, Shinjin, and Lord Hebi. Those, uh, all those characters make appearances, and those of you that have been following along or are familiar with uh, Usagi should know the names of all of those characters. Those of you who don't, this may be your first podcast, go back and, and listen. There's only a, a couple podcasts you haven't caught yet. This is only episode 26, so that'll get you caught up on who all of those people are, as um, none of them are first-time appearances in this episode. So I have talked about all of them before. So the story opens at uh, Lord Tamakuro's fortress in the prison cells in the dungeon, uh, where we see Tomoe Ame bound, uh, being questioned, uh, being abused, being beaten... Uh, all of the above by, at this particular time, Lord Tamakuro himself, asking who she told what she knows. Uh, as we know from last issue, last episode, she snuck into the compound to find out what he was up to, found out, went riding back to tell her lord what he was uh, what uh, Tamakuro was up to and in the process of attempting to do that she was caught by Tamakuro and imprisoned uh, her lord being Lord Noriyuki so he's uh, in the middle of trying to elicit some information from her he is beating her with a, a bamboo stick uh, until the bamboo stick itself falls apart, we see. Uh, in the process, he's yelling at her, grabbing her face. She bites his finger. He uh, jerks his finger back and slaps her hard enough to spray blood out of her mouth as she crumples to the floor, coughing and gagging from the abuse that she's taken, probably on top of the fact that she hasn't been fed, she hasn't been given any water. So, and just a... a you're, just imagine your typical torture scene uh, of the uh, medieval period, and, and you're pretty accurate. Tamakuro turns to his second-in-command and asks about the shinobi that Tomoyame killed while she was uh, doing her little investigation of the Tamakuro compound. Uh, and his second, I apologize, I'm not sure if they've shown his name or not. I don't have a name for him yet. Perhaps they'll show it later on in the story. Perhaps another issue. Let me take a quick look here. Captain Torame. 
is his second's name. Captain Torame. Okay, so uh, he asks about the ninja. Torame says, uh, yes, we tracked it back. It was a Nico ninja. And uh, as a matter of fact, we know that he came from a village nearby that is a ninja village. And Tamakuro immediately commands that the village be leveled, everyone killed. And on the way out of the dungeon, Torame asks, you know, what do you want done with the woman? And Tamakuro says, oh, nothing, she's bound, she's here, she can't get away, just leave her. And Torame mumbles a pity. So apparently he could find a good use for her, nefarious or not. We cut our story cuts to, and this story, uh, if you did not listen to the previous episode, the first installment, this story jumps between these characters. These characters aren't necessarily fluidly uh, exposed or talked about throughout. So we now jump to uh, Genosuke, who has wandered upon a traveler's temple that was previously visited by Zato Ino. And as he enters, he sees that there are several men who have been killed there, searches them, finds that they have nothing of value, and is thoroughly disgusted by this in that he is all about value himself. Looking around, he sees that there is a wanted poster with Zato's picture on it, and he puts together, ah, these are fellow bounty hunters as myself, which is uh, Genosuke's profession at the moment. He is a samurai, uh, as like Usagi, uh, except that rather than just being a ronin, he has adopted being a bounty hunter. Who is looking for Zato? So, obviously he's on the trail, as he has found a place where Zato has killed several men. The wanted poster is there. You can kind of put together that hmm, must have been Zato that did this, because he discovered that these men were after him. He continues on his way, complaining the whole time about having to be out and about in the kind of weather that it is. I gather that it's winter or winterish. It's very cold and blustery. Uh, they must be in a colder part of Japan right now, wandering, so he's just not a happy camper being out in the weather. We cut to Zato, who has found a hot spring, and he and Spot, his uh, pet Tukoge lizard that he got from Usagi, are enjoying their hot spring and as they are uh, relaxing a couple of women wander up one uh, cat-like and a, a fox-like woman perhaps and ask if they can join him in the hot pool and he says well of course by all means I'm gonna take a shot and say that these are a couple more bounty hunters but we'll see so we see that Zatu is enjoying himself and potentially enjoying the company of some female companionship. One last panel we cut to Janoska, who is wandering, complaining about how freezing it is and how miserable he is and how he's going to take it out of Zato's hide when he finally finds him. We cut to uh, Shinjin, the Kashira of the Nico Ninja clan. As he is returning to uh, discuss his most recent failure with Lord Hebi, who is Lord Hikiji's second-in-command, uh, having attempted in a previous story, as we also know, to acquire the Muramasa blade from 
the Gaishu clan, uh, Usagi, got embroiled in that and helped protect it. Shinjen was not able to get that, so he is at this point returning back to Lord Hebi to report his failure. Um, supplication, bowing, etc., etc., in several of the panels here. Lord Hebi brings Shinjin up to speed, basically, that Lord Tamakuro has fallen under suspicion and that several members of the Nikko ninjas have been dispatched by Hebi already to investigate, and now with Shinjin's return from the field, having failed this previous um, assignment, he's, he's arriving back home, Hebi puts him in charge of this latest endeavor and basically tells him not to fail, at which point Hebi leaves and Shinjin takes off to parts unknown. Cut to Usagi, who also is wandering around trying to pick up the trail of whomever kidnapped Tomoe Ame. He saw them briefly on horseback, realized it was her, and is now trying to track her down because he could obviously tell she was in some amount of distress, being transported against her will and whatnot. So he is traveling also, and he wanders up on a village that he can see from a... Uh, a knoll above it. The village is just covered in crows. And as he gets closer, he sees why, because all of the villagers have been slaughtered. They're laying about all over the place. The crows, being carrion feeders, are picking at the animals. Usagi uh, checks everything out, trying to find survivors. Uh, he um, walks into the armory where they're building their armaments, realizes that the armaments are ninja weapons and puts together that this is a ninja village who someone has come in and killed every single member, male, female, and child. The entire village has been slaughtered. Trying to uh, use what honor is left, given the situation, Usagi wanders around the village, gathers up all the dead people, deposits them in one particular building to get them away from the uh, carrion eaters, the crows or whatnot. The, the the building has a big open front door and who knows, you know, four-legged carrion eaters can get in there and everything. So I'm surprised he didn't do more, uh, a funeral pyre or something like that, but he chose not to. He just gathered them all up in one building. Sees so walking away in the distance, continuing uh, on his journeys to find Tomoe Ame. Shinjin comes up over the knoll and sees him leaving, wonders you know, hmm, what was Usagi doing at my village? So now we find out that this is the village that Shinjin is the Kashira over. Kashira being a captain. And as he starts investigating, he walks into the hut that Usagi has deposited everybody in and finds that they are all dead and slaughtered. Uh, it's the foundry in his massive anger, but also in his uh, way of uh, taking care of the situation. He cuts a cauldron of melted metal that is uh, suspended over the central fireplace. The metal spews everywhere, catches everything on fire. The building starts to burn. Shinjin watches as it burns, swearing that he'll get Usagi for this, uh, this horrible deed. And we can ultimately assume that Shinjin allowed the entire village to burn so that there was nothing remaining of the villagers. We cut back to Lord Tamakoro, who is out 
uh, practicing with t some of the tepo that he has been hoarding, uh, tepo being uh, matchlock rifles, uh, arabesque, arabesque, whatever that the French word is for that. So he's practicing by uh, shooting prisoners that are tied up to poles out there. The uh, you know the typical thing you see ten paces turn and fire kind of thing. Well, he's he's practicing and commenting on how impressive a weapon this is. We cut back to Shinjin, who we see traveling, jumping from tree to tree, running through the forest, hopping over streams. He climbs a particular tree and spies a traveler, who he. Uh, throws a brace of shuriken at. Hearing the shuriken approaching just before impact, we see the stranger jump into the air, throwing off his hempen raincoat and sugagasa, the uh, big round peaked hat and the um, reed kind of cape that you see in the movies and the TV. And it's Usagi. He avoids some of the shuriken. Uh, flips a couple away with his sword. Either way, he jumps out of the way, looking back, uh, crying out, who is it that's attacking me? Who are you? And he sees up in the branch that it's Shinjin, who he remembers from the Muramasa blade um, situation. Shinjin swears vengeance for killing everybody in the village. Usagi says, well, you know, I didn't do it. All I did was gather them up and put them in one place. That's why you saw me. That's why I have blood all over me now. It's not from where I actually killed them. Not listening to, to him, uh, pressing what advantage he feels he has from the branch, Shinjin draws a couple hapo and throws them down at Usagi, and in the resulting cloud disappears. So Usagi uh, decides that he need not be in the woods where the ninja has an advantage because there's plenty of places to hide and whatnot. He's going to run out of the wood and try to find something a little bit more open to where he is a little bit more evenly matched. So he's attempting to run away. Uh, at one point he triggers a trap of spears, leaps to dodge one, shatters a couple other with his um, sword, he continues to run through the forest. You see as he's running words being spoken, kind of, you know, like out of nowhere. Uh, Shinjin apparently is following him or knows where he's going and is speaking to him to try to unnerve him. All the while, he is herding Usagi towards a cliff face that overlooks a huge waterfall, in essence trapping him. So as Usagi turns around, Shinjin attacks um, with a brace of Kama. Usagi uses his uh, uh, his katana as his chosen weapon again, trying to convince Shinjin that he did not kill the people in the village, but Shinjin is just bent on vengeance. He won't have any of it. Already thinking poorly of Usagi because he interfered previously, causing Shinjin to lose face because he was not able to accomplish his assignment with the Muramasa blade. So they attack, and we have several panels of katana versus kama, as uh, we have swishes and swipes and screams. Finally, they charge each other. Usagi manages to slash both Kama, slicing them in half, kicking Shinjin, who loses his balance and is propelled backwards off the cliff face down into the misty, steamy waterfall below. Unable to save him, Usagi just looks over 
says those fateful words, he must have perished on the rocks at the bottom of the falls. So automatically we know he lived, right? So uh, he turns to walk away, and as he does, we see a grappling hook here affixed to the cliff face several free, feet below the edge. Uh, a hundred plus, a couple hundred feet dangling at near the very end of the rope is Shinjin. Carefully makes his way up, gains the top of the cliff face, and in the anguished fist clutched to the breast exclamation, he says, I'll pick up your trail, Usagi. I'll avenge my comrades soon. All very dramatic here in written sequential art form. Uh, we cut to Usagi later on in the day as he is continuing his journey. He spies from the distance a fortress town, enters the town, sees that the samurais uh, wandering in the town have the same mon or crest as the samurai that he saw that had uh, kidnapped Tomoe Ame. Uh, stops one of the samurai and asks who you know who they are who's the lord of this town samurai that he speaks to indicates that it is lord tamakuro's town and are you one of the ninja that has come to work for him as tamakuro we found out last issue last installment put out a call to all ronin to come to him to gather forces that uh, you know, he had a job for them. Ronan being a masterless samurai, as is Usagi. So, uh, the other samurai must have been Ronan too, because he makes a comment about how nice it is to serve a lord again. Usagi just stands scowl, scowling at the fortress and mumbles Lord Tamakuro. And that's the end of the second installment of this story. So, next episode we have the Dragon Bellow Conspiracy Part 3 lined up to talk about. The name of this particular installment is Downpour, and it came out in Usagi Ojimbo uh, Volume 1, Issue 15 from Fanographics, dated March 1989, if you guys want to pull that out for next time. Uh, some of the, the terms that Mr. Sakai introduced us to this issue uh, shinobi, which is uh, for ninja, the Japanese for ninja. Kashira uh, Shinjin is uh, Kashira Shinjin, or Shingen. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, chief. Mon, that the samurai wear is the crest. And Ronin, uh, which is masterless samurai. So, uh, there we go. And, and some of the other things, the teppo uh, I threw out there. The hempen. Sukugasa, the hapo, and the kama, which are the, the weapons there. So, there's Actually, that's probably the most terms I've used in, used in one episode yet. I, I hope I use them all correctly. Hardest thing for me is to remember the pronunciation of the names of the people. Tomoe, Januska. Anyway, uh, that's everything for this episode, guys. If you do want to leave me some feedback, you can drop me an email at usagipodcast at gmail.com. The website for the podcast is thereaderfeed.com. You can leave comments on the episodes there. Ronin Rabbit is on Google+. I post the episodes there. You can leave comments. Ronin Rabbit is also on Stitcher Radio. You can leave comments assigned to the different uh, shows on there. And the I will post that the episode is live on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page as far as Facebook is concerned and I appreciate and thank Steve for allowing me to do that so 
there we go, guys. Uh, see you again next time for Episode 3 of the Dragon Bellows Conspiracy. Talk to you then. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License. Thank you.